Hello and welcome to The Dirt in association with Beer 52. Keep listening because later in the show we will be telling you about a fantastic offer and how you can get eight free craft beers sent direct to your door, selected specially for you by Beer 52. But first, this is the podcast that knows that even ugly veg is beautiful. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Laura's second-in-command, Blake. In a little while, we'll be joined by Rose to chat about some of the hot topics of the gardening world right now. But before we get to that, we're joined right now by organic and no-dig allotment here, Caitlin, who you may know as In A Tiny Garden on Instagram. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. No, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you. How are things in your garden today? Ooh, um, well, I've actually been, I haven't been out in it yet. So even though it's a beautiful, gorgeous day today, um, I'm planning to go at the end of, end of the work day. So this is, this is my, this is my lunch hour. <laughs> and um, I'm, I, I am excited to get out because it's been so rainy and, and sort of misty, um, which is lovely for the garden, but not necessarily for the gardener. So um, yeah. yes, looking forward to <laughs> getting out there today. You're so right. It's so lovely to see a little bit of sunshine again. It sort of felt a bit wrong to have all that rain in July, didn't it? Mm. But as you say, at least the garden tends to be happy with it. Exactly, exactly. Slightly less work needed when it when it's doing its watering for you (laughs) so obviously on Instagram your handle is in a tiny garden but am I right in thinking you now have an allotment as well right I do yes so the the Instagram account started about three years ago when I wanted to share uh, with sort of like-minded people when when friends didn't have gardens yet necessarily Um, and but the garden's been going for about seven or eight years now so sharing on Instagram for three and then I got the allotment about a year and a half to two years ago Um, so that was a big a big moment and I decided that that I'd, I'd continue calling myself in a tiny garden, but actually it's in a tiny garden slash allotment. <laughs> <laughs> How's that shift been? Because obviously it must be quite a big thing going from, oh, I've got, you know, yeah. a few feet of space to grow in and then a massive allotment. Yeah. So uh, I, I did actually consider not putting any of the allotment on it, but I think people have been so interested in the in the allotment work. And pe- people are interested in tiny garden spaces as well, but I think... Um, for some reason, allotment, people are so interested in seeing allotments, even if they don't necessarily have one of their own. So when I started putting it on there a little bit, um, it, it got so much attention that I thought, okay, I'll divide my time on Instagram between between the two. Um, so yeah, so I think it's been all right. Although I do like to say this came from the tiny garden, this came from from the allotment. Yeah. And I guess the one sort of slight negative with it is the original idea behind the Instagram was to show people what they could grow in such a small space. And now that message is ever so slightly confused. But I hope, you know, I hope to do both simultaneously. And has there been anything that you really weren't able to grow before? And I've got a small garden, so I feel the pain of not having much space and the limitations that brings. But has there been anything? What was that thing that you were like? finally I can do this yeah squashes probably so squash I absolutely love squash and the taste of it not just growing it I know people love growing it because it's quite a satisfying thing to grow but I love the taste of it as well so that was a big one you know and also well there's a few things uh asparagus is another big one it might be Mm. it's up there with artichoke for my favorite vegetable so all big all my favorite favorite vegetables are huge um so artichoke (laughs) um asparagus squash um so those are the three things I sort of started with um especially asparagus that was one of the first things I got in because I won't be eating it for another year and a a half (laughs) because it takes so long yeah yeah Yeah. but but yeah no I was really excited to start start growing bigger things 
Well, as you will have heard, if you've listened to the podcast before, we like to look at both sides of the growing journey, the things that have gone really well and then the things that really haven't. So to start you off, what would you say have been some of your biggest successes in the garden? So I think one of my biggest successes isn't necessarily crop specific, but it's actually getting the call to say that my allotment um, was sort of ready for me to come and see. Um, So I was on the wait list for five years. And during those five years, I got so massively into gardening. It was sort of, you know, all I was doing in my spare time, um, trying to talk about it with friends. And like I already said, having to sort of start the Instagram account so that I could meet new people to talk about the garden (laughs) with when my own friends were getting kind of sick and tired of hearing about it. Um, And so I'd say actually one of my biggest successes was uh, the phone call to say, your allotment is ready for you after five years of waiting. We were on, we were actually on holiday on a psych, psycho holiday. And um, when I got the call, I kind of, you know, stopped the bicycle, got so excited. Oh. And, and it kind of felt, I don't know, maybe, maybe people feel like this is when they are, when they find out they're having a baby or when they find out they're <laughs> about to adopt a baby. But like that is, I feel like <laughs> the feeling is close to that. I was just so excited. Um, so that's one of my biggest successes is finally making it. Um, on on the five-year allotment wait list but on 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 the other hand um i do want to say as well before we kind of get get started um completely is that i do i do realize how privileged i am to have not only a a garden but also an allotment plot especially um you know i've 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 always felt sort of slightly guilty that i do already have a tiny garden and then i also now have an allotment plot when sort of access to outside space is especially in in the cities um difficult for for some people so i i do recognize my privilege and also um during this lockdown time, it's been so incredible to have an outdoor space. Um, mm. It's it's just been amazing. So yes, so especially during lockdown, with slightly more time um, with commuting, not commuting to work, I've I've tried to make make the absolute most of it. Um, so you know, taking off the weed membrane that I that I had over part of it um, as I was kind of ro- slowly rolling it back, I've just taken the whole thing off using the whole whole allotment space now since lockdown. So um, so it's great. I've also been um, trying to trying to campaign a bit with with local authorities to try and get more community garden access space and that sort of thing as well so I deviated slightly but um I just want to say I know how lucky I am to have garden and allotment (laughs) I think that has become so much more prevalent over the last three months where suddenly the importance of outdoor space is becoming so much more noticeable to everyone Mm -hmm. I think so yeah it's definitely Mm -hmm. More yeah. community gardening, more allotment yes. space, hopefully. In the yes, yeah. way forward, I think. So, yeah, if everyone kind of badgers for more community community growing space, I think it's only going to make, make the world a better place. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so real successes, getting the phone call for, for, the, for the allotment. And, um, but crop-wise, if, if I were to pick one sort of success crop is, is um, last year and end of last year, uh, growing sweet corn successfully. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and not just for me, but it's actually my partner's favorite vegetable. So when he nice. tasted it sort of, you know, fresh from the earth, it's, it tastes like nothing you can buy in the shops here, um, cooked on the same day. I think that kind of excitement that really got him going. And now he yeah. does help at the allotment versus before possibly he didn't. So there were a couple key moments in sort of it's, it's my success having but it's also kind of my partner's success in a way although I don't know if he, he sees it like it's that. quite exciting yeah. when you can bring somebody else in I think like that yeah, as well like when yeah. they haven't really been yeah. showing an interest and then you get them with something yeah um, yeah yeah. Like 
So for him, it's sweet corn for sure. So that that's his baby at the allotment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and obviously the successes are always a nice thing to talk about, but we also like to celebrate the things that are perhaps considered learning curves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the garden. So can you tell us about any of your garden failures, anything unusual that's happened or anything that didn't turn out quite how you planned? So, I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of how much time we have here. <laughs> I've had to, I think I've had to actually like cut some things off the list because I've, I've just come up with like way too many. I'm just I, knew, I knew you, you were going to add this like, massive scroll right now. Like, like which yeah, one yeah, do yeah. I start with? <laughs> and it's, it's nice because um, I do find sometimes on Instagram, it is difficult to show all the failures because yeah, I, I like to be as real as possible on Instagram, but at the same time, you know, Instagram's yeah. about nice pictures. So in the end, There's you know, a limit my account's to how much doing well. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's like here's, yeah, here's a rotted. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here's here's my rotted luffa plant. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, like, a lot yeah. of people would unfollow. Yeah. Probably wouldn't. Yeah, know. exactly. Just be like, oh, she doesn't. Yeah, know what she's doing. <laughs> but I, a lot of us don't know what we're doing. So any anywho, um, there are more successes than failures, though. Finally, I I can say that now. <laughs> but but um, there's so many failures. Um, so what what I would say um is that I did I. Well, this I, I'll come to my list of failures, but what I what I will say first is that I did start by reading quite a lot, so I didn't really do the whole just chuck it in thing. Um, so mm-hmm. I did. Uh, my mother in law has an amazing uh, library of of plant plant books, which include included all of Charles Dowding's books. Um, oh, cool. So even before yeah. I got started, I I was sort of reading all of those. So I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to do with, with the allotment before getting it, which was really nice. Um, also, yeah, five-year wait list. So <laughs> you, uh, I had some time on my hands to, to plan. Um, so yeah, so I didn't, I, I, as much as I would like to say, and I do say, you know, just give it a grow. I would say that about seeds and things, but I'm also, I, I would say that about seeds, you know, just, just give them a go. But um, in terms of buying plants that are in pots and, and sort of going to the garden center and that sort of thing, I am quite conscious of waste. So um, not just in gardening, but sort of in all aspects, like, like a lot of us are now. Um and so when I started, I went really slowly. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the, the tiny garden now mostly, but, um, you know, I didn't want things to fail. So I, I bought, um, I bought or I propagated small plants to start with. And so I did, I did have quite a bit of success because I went quite slowly. Um, I think in the beginning. And again, I, I, I was lucky in that I could go slowly because I knew, um, I'd have this garden for a long, long time. Um, so yeah, so it's just bearing in mind um, in terms of chucking things in, you know, we, we buy things in plastic pots and not always guaranteed peat-free soil, especially sort of mm. eight years ago when I was doing it. So I was, I was quite conscious about that. But so I, I deviated slightly. <laughs> um, so the list. Um, now I know this is grow your own, so I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards uh, edibles, but um Oh, and I, I don't like to, I don't like to call them failures. I think they're learning experiences as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So one of the biggest fails was actually one of the first things I planted at the allotment, which is a little sad. Um, but it was broad beans. So I got a zero, a total of zero broad beans in um, my first year oh, really? because of black fly. Oh. Um, they were so, so completely covered, but no green was even visible on them. Oh, no. um, and I'm, I've always been organic in the garden since the beginning. Again, um, 
from all the books I read, I knew I knew how to do it organically, so I didn't need to spray and that sort of thing. But I just it was like a whole nother level getting the allotment. So um, I left them alone. I, I tried to squish some of them in the beginning and then there were just like so many. It was it was just unbelievable. And I didn't I don't think I knew quite what the ecosystem was yet. And I mean, I still am learning, but around the allotment, which is although they're very close together, completely different from from the tiny garden because um, the tiny garden sort of sheltered and that sort of thing, maybe slightly different soil, um, mm -hmm. different sun and that sort of thing. So anyway, eventually the ladybird army arrived, but it was way too late. There was just no saving these broad beans. Um, so now I've learned I've learned a lesson from that. So I'll just add in my little lesson, which is. Um, I planted much earlier in the season this year. Mm -hmm. So I've I've actually finished my pest and disease portion of my horticulture diploma, which I'm doing in the evenings. Mm -hmm. um, so I know about their life cycles now. So lots of the main pests on the allotment, um, I know their life cycles, which is great because it helps with organic growing in general, just knowing kind of when you need to net things and yeah. um, when to sort of sow and that sort of thing. So it's really good. Um, but that being said, <laughs> despite knowing all of this, I still had absolutely tons of aphids on my broad beans again this year so <laughs> i got probably half maybe a quarter of the yield that i that i that i like should have going bought. in the so right direction year, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 going in the right direction next year i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna have you know a bowl of broad beans um but also that wasn't too much of a of a sadness for me because i grew up in canada so um and we don't actually eat broad beans there so it's oh. kind of it was a new one for me to try which is why i wanted to do it but i'm not i'd not, you know, not something I even buy at the supermarket. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I wasn't too sad about that. Um, but yes, next year I, I've got plans to, uh, to, do, to try and do it better. And, and ladybirds, we've got loads of ladybirds now. So hopefully. I think the aphids have just been really bad this year as yeah. well. Like I've had it yeah. on my runner beans. They've just been destroyed by them. And I think sometimes <laughs> when I see people just being like, oh, you could just pick them off or just use the hose <laughs> to spray them off. And I'm like, you have not <laughs> seen how many they aphids crawl right are. back up again. First yeah. of all, the hose idea, I like watch them, you know, I hose them all off and then I stand there and I watch them crawl right back up again. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. Like, so, the ladybirds yeah. turn up and they're just like, wow, we are, we've got a feast all summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Getting really fat. That's you know? so yeah. Funny. So I just so I think sometimes it. it's more difficult than just doing, you yeah. know, just like dealing with it like that. But um, I think the timing thing is um, interesting to hear yeah. about, really. Don't always think about that. Yeah. So it's it's something to bear in mind if you really do have a have an issue. And again, like you said, I'm glad. Thanks, Blake. You make me feel better. <laughs> so I think the more the more gardeners you speak to, the more you realize actually we're all having the same sort of issues each each year. Like there's sort of I think aphids is a, is has been quite a big one this year. And yeah. It's possibly because yeah. the winter was so mild. I'm not sure mm. that they're that they're kind of predators. Um. That yeah, they survive the winter in bigger numbers or something. I'm not really sure. But um. Yeah. So another fail would be um, my when I inherited the allotment, there was not much, not much there. And except for this big, huge grapevine, which I nicknamed Bacchus from the god of god of wine. Um, <laughs> and it was absolutely huge. We took over the plot. Um, well, I'll talk about taking over the plot later. But uh, but it was a third of the allotment. It was oh, just wow. completely covered all over. It was just an absolute jungle. Yeah, it was it was quite quite a disused plot. I mean, people have the same story but but this was this was bad um so i pruned it at the wrong time when i first arrived and we got back from a holiday in the summer and it had taken over so it was even worse than when we had originally taken it over because i i pruned it at the wrong time it had taken over like half 
half the side of someone else's plot who were too polite to ch chop it back. And I, I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This thing's been shading your vegetables. Oh, this is horrible. Oh. You know, the holiday was what, a week and a half, two oh, weeks. And, and this grapevine is just like totally out of control. Anyway, so that's that's one. But now I've learned I've learned my lesson. And actually, it's my partner's it's my partner's other baby. He's he's got it properly trained up a, a little trellis now, and nice. it's 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 tiny. He's kept it like right in check. So, and we actually have some grapes growing, so that's exciting. Oh. Um, yeah, no grapes the first couple of years on on it because it was just so wild. Oh, another one would be kale. So in the tiny garden about seven years ago, I I love brassicas as well. So I grew um, kale in pots in the tiny garden. And um, so the garden I can see from, so the garden I do like to look really nice and I, I like to kind of advocate growing veg can look really nice as well as, um, you know, as well as be sort of utility on an allotment site. Um, yeah. And so for the kale, I wanted it to look nice as well. Um, so I didn't net it. And even then, sort of seven years ago, I didn't even know necessarily about cabbage white butterfly. But um, again, I think I went away for about seven days and I came back and all of the kale was just completely gone. I was like, oh, someone's stolen my kale plants. And it's like, oh, no, oh. I think that's the pot they were in. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Like they were just completely decimated by the cabbage white butterfly. So once I knew what they were, I'd just sit here and see all the cabbage white butterflies the next year, just mm -hmm. like attacking them and so I couldn't really sit still in the garden I'd have to kind of run out and chase them off and yeah. the eggs yeah. um and, and then after had a, no, no so after four <laughs> years of trying to grow kale in the tiny garden I just gave up and I thought you know I'm gonna wait for the allotment and then I can put a net over it because I didn't really want like a big net that I could see in in the garden so I mean there's other yeah. ways that I could have done it you know trying to well no, I'm, 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 I'm organic. So I wasn't going to spray. And, and it's just, I think possibly in my area, there's just so many cabbage white butterflies. It's, it's like an, it's an issue. I think sometimes you just have to accept and mm. admit defeat on things. Don't you? With like yeah, that. But yeah. You're right in what you say, like when yeah. you are growing in your garden, um, it is kind of a different thing because you can see it from the window or you're going to mm. have people over to sit out there. Yeah. Or, so it does need to look nicer than the productivity of being on a lot mm -hmm. an allotment mm -hmm. I think yeah exactly so I tried I tried more pretty ways of dealing with them so like well like I said I just picked off the eggs which are actually quite beautiful it's amazing the kind of um, patterns they make but mm. um I tried like reflective tinfoil butterflies I, I heard online that you could kind of you know if if a cabbage white thought that a, a butterfly was already there that they'd fly off and um it did not work <laughs> I had so many oh. tinfoil butterflies my partner was just like, what are you up to? So it, di it didn't work. But I again, I think in maybe in other places it might work. It's just I've got the most voracious cabbage white butterflies you've ever met in, in the tiny garden. So um, so anyway, yes. So brassicas in the, in the garden, tiny garden were an absolute fail. Um, but they're romping away at the allotment now under netting. So I'm excited. Success. It's going to get a good crop, <laughs> especially good. this year. Yes, success. <laughs> Kale plus success. <laughs> kale all winter long. <laughs> yeah. Also, you could grow kale as microgreens inside, so yes. even if you don't have. So actually, I did do that as well, and that that was very successful. So they don't need tons of sun either. So you can you can get you know microgreens going um, if you do really like kale and and um, don't have outdoor space. But yes. Um, 
should I keep going? I've got, I've got a few more. Got a few go more. on, go yeah. for it. We'll have another one. <laughs> oh, successional sewing. So this is one that I'm still, I, I still need to, you know, I've been growing for kind of, well, properly here for eight years and I still um, get behind on my successional sewing for, for <laughs> second crop. So um, no matter how much I tell my followers, like, don't forget about your successional sewing. Like I have to take my own advice <laughs> as well. So um, my beetroot, like I will do after we get off this podcast later this <laughs> afternoon. Um, but I have to successfully sew my beetroot because it's about to come out and I, and I don't have any backup. So um that's a, a bit of a fail. I'm going to have some blank canvas on the allotment for longer than than um, I had intended. So basically, the idea with allotmenting is, you know, you always have something growing at the same time for mm -hmm. successional crops. And Charles, you know, after having read Charles Dowding's books, I should know better. Um, but yes, yeah, so that would be a bit of a fail. Um, and is that I've got some bare earth, and and especially when my potatoes come up, I'm going to have a bit a bit of a gap before I can sneak in some of my new seedlings. So. Um, which I always raise from seed in the in the tiny garden first because of um, pests and things on the allotment. And oh, ah, best best for last. Um, well, actually, two things, but they're kind of kind of in the same family. So cucumelons. I've had terrible success of cucumelons, and it's kind of the first thing I wanted to grow. I think because I couldn't do squash in the tiny garden, I I thought, oh, these yeah. cute little cucumelons, how great are these going to be? And I saw them on a garden visit once to. Um, I can't remember where I was, but a kitchen garden. And I thought, oh, these are so great. And the head gardener there let me taste one. And I thought, oh, these are so great. I'm so excited to grow these. I tried three years and I just, they just kept dropping off before they were ready. And I'm sure I could try, try now and I, I'd have better success and I could probably try them at the allotment, but I just, they're kind of my nemesis now. And I'm just giving <laughs> up on you, cucumelons. So yeah, so no, never had a successful cucumelon. And um, Luffa, which is related, um, I tried to grow this year. I got some lovely Luffa seeds from a friend and um, Instagram friend, and they looked great. I planted them up and they died an extremely quick death. So I'm not exactly sure what did it, but um, they were looking amazing. I put I put a picture up on Instagram and they were looking amazing. And I do have a picture of the kind of withered tiny fruit that fell off and the, and the dead leaves. And I will put it up on Instagram. But um, I think what happened was the, I thought it was myself. So, so a lot with a lot of failures, you kind of, I think you, you try and blame yourself first and then, there's one thing that I think might have happened with these and I got a batch of compost um, for the allotment to go no dig um, this year on, on the on the bits that I kind of um, I took took the weed membrane up like I said to, to kind of deal with the whole thing um, and the I think that the compost I got sorry um, was a bit devoid of nutrients and I used that same compost to pot up this luffa plant so I think possibly um and luffas and squash as, as they're quite hungry yeah they're they? so hungry so um i thought it was like almost too nutrient dense from the kind of label um and in the end i think now that i've done a couple tests with beans it's actually quite nutrient poor so i think so yes that's a fail i'm also growing luffas this year which i talk about quite a lot but um, <laughs> oh. i've got a couple of plants and one is still going the other one's dying off a little bit but i've got flowers and fruits coming and i've got everything crossed but i'm not that hopeful so what it was then um yeah if you if, i think it probably was the soil yeah. not being rich enough perhaps because yeah. i saw i saw the same issue actually when i planted out my squash so i had my squash in some beautiful um uh, seed compost uh at the at in the tiny garden and, and and it looked amazing green leaves so beautiful i had the best kind of 
healthy looking squash. I was super excited to up my squash game this year and I planted them out of the allotment and they went quite yellow very suddenly. Ooh. And it's because I used a no dig technique. So the top layer of the compost I put on, that's kind of the only thing that they were rooting in in the beginning. And it was just, yeah, really yellow, like shocking photos. And the thing is, as I wanted to put it on Instagram again, but I kind of wanted to find out what it was first. Yeah. And um, the compost company, actually, I, I always wait to do reviews until I've like actually grown something if someone's given me free compost mm -hmm. or something. So I'm so glad I haven't mentioned the compost <laughs> company um, yet on my Instagram. But um, yeah, so I wanted to get to the bottom of it first and, and see what it was. And I've, I've had some other other people get in touch to say that they've had problems with, with this company as well. So I'm pretty sure that is what it was. Um, and the squash at the allotment, though, happy news, is doing really well. So as soon as it could access oh, yeah. the, the compost underneath, um, they've actually, they're, they're romping away now. So it's like they've, they've shaken off their yellow leaves. And, and that's a good thing as well. Um, what, one of my, one of my tidbits for later is, is to say, you know, don't give up on plants too soon either. Um, mm. I mean, the loofah was completely done for cause I, I was growing it in a pot in the tiny garden. So for some reason I wanted to keep an eye on that one. I was like, I must grow this loofah plant. So I was like, I better put it in a pot in the tiny garden and I can look at it and like make sure I get a yeah. loofah. Cause I think there's like a garden loofah challenge on, on Instagram as well. Yes. With people. So, so I was like, yes, I'm going to keep my eye on this. But in the in the process, completely killed it because of this. I'm pretty sure because of this compost. But yeah, so feed it, Blake, is what I would say. And I've got my toes crossed for your for your lovers. Thank you. I will keep you updated. <laughs> Actually, it can be. I um, Rob Smith on Instagram was like showing off his uh, loofah fruits in about April or something. <laughs> oh <my laughs> was, like, looking at mine, like spindly little things, yeah. like nowhere near. So yeah. yes, but fingers crossed, it will happen before the end of the year so yeah. we'll see thank you so much for bringing such a list of fails that was <laughs> i have more but that's really just useful. that's just what i can think of <laughs> off the top of <laughs> um just bringing you around to one of the things that you have mentioned a couple of times that you use the no dig method on your allotment mm -hmm. well you're in very mm -hmm. good company on the podcast because our first guest was actually Charles Dowding <gasps> um but for anybody for anybody who may not have heard that one would you just be able to explain um just what what no dig is for any listeners that might not know Sure. Well, I firstly say go back and listen to that first podcast episode because Charles is amazing. I've actually <laughs> had the pleasure of visiting his garden a couple of times um, and it's just it's just so it's a slick machine, isn't it? Of like, yeah. as you oh, said, it's like so the successional slick. thing, just like yeah. everything, just yeah, like a proper little yeah, yeah. He's like of... a machine, so so that's kind of who I'm who I'm trying to emulate on the allotment, but um, <laughs> but obviously not quite there. So I think it's a fail if I have any bearers. I'm like, oh no, um, <laughs> Charles would be so, so sort of um, disappointed. Um, so yeah, so no dig is um, essentially boiled down into like a couple sentences. Is um, you're not well. You're not digging. So you're not you're not loosening the sort of old fashioned method of thinking that you need to loosen up your soil all the time with a fork and a spade. Um, I actually went to a talk about I don't, I don't know how many years ago now, maybe six years ago um, that Charles and Alice Fowler gave. And Alice was saying that um, it's like an old it was possibly like an old Victorian um, idea to kind of have your workers be working in, in the times when not that much was growing to kind mm. of like keep them busy. Mm. Um, it's kind of like digging. I don't know if that's true, but um, but uh, basically um, it's the principle that you want to maintain the ecosystem within the soil and the soil structure, which the ecosystem below the soil level does amazingly well by itself. Um, unless you have some very extreme examples of, of terrible, terrible soil um, 
but even then um, the no-dig method works. But in a vegetable garden, you're depleting the nutrients by pulling the vegetables every year. Um, so you kind of take, take, take in a vegetable garden. And so once a year, um, the idea is to put about 10, 15 centimeters of lovely organic mulch, which is the best kind is a homemade, homemade um, compost, nice, dark, rich stuff in a big, thick layer on the very top in autumn, winter. And then you um, let, let the worms dig it in for you, basically, let the organisms break it down um, itself and you can plant directly into that. So it's it's kind of it's up there on my I think you're going to ask me about um but about a shortcut or a cheeky swerve. So that was mm. kind of my, that is a shortcut. And it's, I don't know if it's cheeky, but it's definitely a shortcut because it saves your, your energy, um, your back as well. Because, um, yeah, another thing I've got, um, I've got quite a bit back. I've got a bit of scoliosis. So, um, the, the, the thought of coming to the allotment and having to dig the whole thing over, I just don't know if I would have been able to do it. Um, and now, um, I don't have to. I just need to, need to get some barrel loads of, of lovely compost, stick it on top. Um, yeah, but that, that's sort of in a nutshell. I'm sure I've left off some really important bits. So, yes, do go back and listen to Charles Dowding's <laughs> podcast and, and have a look at his books and things as well, because he's, he's fantastic. And when you do go back, you'll get to hear me telling Charles Dowding that I don't pinch out my tomatoes and the disappointment <laughs> in his voice at like, you know, like um, your parent <laughs> parents evening or something where they're just like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say not pinch out your tomatoes? Well, I I have been this year because he told okay, me okay. I should. But last yeah, yeah, year yeah. I was just being <laughs> yeah. lazy. His disapproval bother. weighed heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, it's changed me. Speaking of pinching out tomatoes, that's another failure I'm going to sneak in there. But last year I just managed to mix up all my tomato labels. I couldn't believe, like I mixed it up oh, no. so badly. And things that I thought, you know, I labeled them, but they were just like all mislabeled. I don't know how it happened. So this year I've been kind of militant about it. I had indeterminant that I was pruning as determinants and vice versa. So it was like a wild tomato patch. And um, <laughs> I just, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I had the right variety. So I just, I was like, I'm just going to press on and, and like prune the ones <laughs> I'm pruning. Um, but yeah, it ended up a bit of a jungle. Talking about tomatoes. <laughs> I saw those black beauty tomatoes that you're growing on your yeah. Instagram and they are yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. I want to grow everyone's them next fall- year. Yeah. Everyone's fallen in love. I couldn't believe how well that picture did. Everyone's like obsessed with the black tomatoes. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to try them. Some, someone's even asked, asked me like, Oh, can you send me some seeds? And I was like, well, maybe. Um, <laughs> Hopefully they'll taste good. It'd be disappointing. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. Bit, yeah, I, I'm super careful with picking of my varieties. Everything has to be like the, the, it must say like ex- taste excellent before I buy any seeds. Yeah. Um, so they're meant to be absolutely delicious. Um, yeah, otherwise I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bothered. Um, so yeah, I've got some wacky tomato varieties I'm growing this year. So I'm very, very excited. Fingers crossed the dreaded B word doesn't, um, attack them before they all ripen. But I've, I've had, I'm, I'm knocking on wood, um, because I haven't actually had blight before um charles Dowding was amazed actually at that so knocked on wood my potatoes are <laughs> growing very close to my tomatoes this year so i'm, I'm kind of gambling but um we have had some wet weather but we'll see we'll see fingers crossed but yes prune your tomatoes <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're supposed yes. to if they're not if they're just home. so yes. i hope we haven't stolen your shortcut that you were going to say um but do you have any other little shortcuts or cheeky swerves in the garden that you like to use so yeah, I was just going to talk about mulching, mulch, 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 mulch mm. your beds. Um, my compost heap is my probably favorite thing in the allotment. Um, I just <laughs> love bringing our, our veg scraps there and, and all the green waste and just knowing that it's going to turn into kind of lovely black, 
black goodness um, by the end. So get into get get into composting, I'd say, um, especially then you don't need to, to need to put so much trust in these other companies to, to provide compost for you when you can do it yourself. So I've got yeah. two huge heaps. So next year, I should be self-sufficient. In and it will save a lot of money oh, as well, doesn't it, when you do it? Yeah, yourself. yeah. And and actually, it, there's places you can kind of go around and, and kind of beg, beg for <laughs> beg for things. So I, I yeah, um, one of one of the ideas is, um, I know I keep mentioning Charles, but here we go. I'm clearly a fangirl. Um, <laughs> Charles, Charles, when I, yeah. When I visited, he he said that he used spent hops, and and he said that they were a green waste. And so green is the is is the ni- nitrogen rich uh, stuff that you need a, a lot of. And and I didn't have I don't have that much. Um. And so when he said it was green, even spent hops, I was like, oh, there's a brewery really close by to me. Oh my goodness. So I don't have a car, but we kind of like brought this big trolley and um called the brewery ahead of time, and they gave us loads of bags of free um spent hops. So I'm super excited about that. So basically, yeah. So just like get creative where where to get things you know knock on your neighbor's doors and ask them for their vegetable scraps because if they go to you it's actually better better than going to munis- municipal sites as well because you cut down on transport and all that kind of thing so yeah compost 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 is um is a good one um and yeah like like i said before i, I was i touched briefly on the allotment but it it is a cheeky swerve for the allotment because it was so incredibly overgrown uh, when I took it on, like thick with perennial weeds, um, fine weed and couch grass. The, the couch grass was so bad, you could kind of like put your hand in the soil and pull out like it was like pulling out a bunch of cables. It was so, so bad. Um, but what I did was um, if you don't have enough uh, compost at the beginning, I put down one of those weed membranes in the beginning. So I got a good quality one of those that I knew would last for years. And um, I put that down. Um, so I didn't have to dig and, and the, the weeds would die on their own. So sort of, yeah, cut it down, put, put the weed membrane down, which is something I would definitely suggest because a lot of allotment sites as well are quite big. Um, and so if there's only one of you, it it is quite a big commitment on your time. So, um, until you kind of get into the rhythm, I I would suggest possibly covering if if you've got a situation like me where it was just totally wild, uh, cover over part of it and start, um, on the other bit that year start growing I think as well coming back to your um comment earlier on about being making allotments and gardening more accessible you know if you're retired and you've got lots of time on your hands you've got time to go and spend hours there Mm. but sometimes if you're working or you're a single parent you won't necessarily have that time Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I guess that cuts down on the amount of the workload that you've got to do Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. and and yeah I'm not I'm not saying like cover it over forever but it's more like cover it over so that the weeds completely die back so like well at least for me with couch grass and bindweed like over, just over a year um, in order for them to completely die back with kind of cardboard underneath even because they can still poke up through the <laughs> through the mm-hmm. weed membrane so yeah card cardboard then weed membrane um, and, and work on the rest of it work work on the bit that you that you can manage um, in the meantime um, until the rest is ready to ready to plant for you so finally the last thing we'd like to ask is whether you've got any lessons that you've learned in your time gardening that you'd like to pass on to anybody new that's maybe just starting out for the first time this year? Hmm. I suppose to start with, it's more of a plea. I would, I would say anyone starting out, try your best to be as organic as possible from, from the beginning. Mm. So no pesticides, use physical controls instead. So have a, have a read on what sort of like physical, physical controls, like netting and that sort of thing you can use on different crops um, first so that you don't need to use any pesticides and, and you can minimize your fails. Um, and then, like we've already said, try, try low dig or no dig. So you'll save your back and save time um, and, you know, get composting. 
you know you might need to buy in some some compost at the beginning but get get a compost bin made so you can you can start making your own and cut down on costs and yeah so no dig get get those worms to do the work for you basically they're they'll aerate it for you yes. and well one of the one of the things i think i i, I jotted this down um organize your seed so if you're going to grow a lot from seed which which i highly recommend try and find a method that that works for you for organizing them because i think this year i've kind of come come into my own with seed organizing and and in previous years i you know would forget to sow things and find purple sprouting broccoli seeds in like books used as bookmarks and that sort of thing and they're kind of all over the place and um yeah so i find it finally found a method it's like a it's like a kind of looks like a plastic briefcase and yes it's plastic but it's not single use so it's absolutely fine and they're each in their own individual little cases within the plastic briefcase and um by and color coded and kind of labeled in in their own little i think they're like cassette tapes mm. and i got the idea from um katrina actually who's on on instagram as well homegrown mm. garden and it works so well so yes I'd say you know I feel totally organized now uh, versus before seeds were just scattered all over the house um, that is some next level organization I love yeah. that color <laughs> yeah. coding as well I definitely need that in my life because when you said that you find seed you used to find seed packs used as bookmarks that is exactly yeah. what happens in this house so <laughs> <laughs> I have to say this is a tip that I will be taking myself and I will report oh, good. back <laughs> It's also, it's also good for planning, I suppose. And I'm not going to tell people to plan way ahead because I'm actually really bad with that myself. But at least if your seeds are organized, you can you know where they all are and you can kind of mm. access them. So yeah, I'll um I'll give you I'll give you a link later, Laura, to the to the box I use. It's magic. <laughs> oh, that so, would be great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, it's been really lovely chatting to you today and hearing all about your garden and your allotment and oh, everything. It's been lovely chatting to you guys. I want to hear about your gardens and allotments. So. <laughs> I think you do tend to hear about very specific areas of our gardens. I think it's Blake's Luther and my fig tree that make regular, regular appearances in these podcasts. Do, do you get figs off your fig tree? I had my first one yesterday. Oh no! That's so exciting. Settle in for like a right, ten minutes wait, of podcasting because Laura's talking about her fig tree. Oh no! Sorry. I get, yeah, that's the thing. You have you have to cut me off. <laughs> yeah, it's um. I think that's the thing though isn't it that's lovely about gardening is everybody has their own their own things that they're doing that they're really yeah. proud of and I mean there's a few people in my in my local street who either grow in their gardens on allotments and everybody's so proud of what they're doing and showing it off and that's such a lovely thing about yeah. the gardening community so I think that's so good I want to ask more about your fig but maybe when we're when we're off <laughs> <laughs> I need. I, you might need to give me tips. <laughs> well, I don't know. I it's enormous, and I need to give it a really hard prune this year because I don't actually have a massive garden myself. But is it is it in the ground or in a pot? Well, this was my big mistake. It's in okay. the ground <laughs> because it, it did it did live in a pot, and then we bought this house and I was like oh I own a garden I'm gonna put a fig tree in the ground why yep. why did I do yep. that <laughs> <laughs> oh no but um yeah it's enormous and it needs a hard prune but it is my absolute pride and joy <laughs> you're gonna have to like rename your house fig house or something because it's probably just like completely <laughs> taken over I've got one in a pot but it hasn't actually the, the figs drop before they're ready so I need to I need to pot it up and get it get myself sorted but yeah Right, we had better get Rose on the call and stop Laura talking yeah, about sorry. her sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for coming on. My and pleasure. everybody can follow you on Instagram at In A Tiny Garden. Yeah, come say hi. <laughs> hi, Rose. Hi, Laura. How are you? Well, fine, except for Blake cutting off my 
story about my fig. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he did. Really? Scandalous. Blake. Well, you can talk to me for as long as you want about it. So I appreciate that very much. Basically, the story is I had my first ripe fig and it was amazing. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> I bet you um, did you enjoy eating it? Ever so much. Yeah. Now That's I'm such watching the others like a hawk. <laughs> yeah. Are they, are they near to ripening at all or have they still got quite a long way to go? Uh, I'd say they're about at the right size now. They're just still green. I've still never had one. I need to try these. <gasps> I um... you definitely do. I would say you can have one of mine. You but... need to. With, and we'll be trying dragon fruit. <gasps> yeah. We do need to, because we did say a few episodes ago that we would try dragon fruit, didn't we? Oh, God, we yeah. Did. We did in series one, and then we never did. I feel like we need to follow through on our promises. Definitely. We'll get our hands on some. Um, so I came across this really funny thread in a Facebook group. Yeah. Um, let me just find it. So yeah, the Facebook group was Family Lockdown Tips and Ideas and Janet Oswald from London posted a photo of like a handful of very tiny carrots that she'd produced and she said, these little blighters were in the ground for no less than 112 days. Please excuse my disappointment, laughing face. <laughs> oh. After weeks of waiting, we have finally harvested our first batch of homegrown carrots. I'm so glad I spent all those hours toiling over them because instead of wasting 38p for a whole bag of the things, we've managed to grow these, costing us roughly £870 in woman hours, <laughs> blood, sweat, tears, fertilizer, compost and water. Oh my goodness. And I just thought that was so the yes, dirt. Yes, it is. And so relatable. That's a lot Very of women hours and then, as well. So that is I feel I her pain. and then underneath like it's just sparked this whole thing of thousands of people commenting pictures of their gardening fails from this year including like a tiny potato that somebody made and lots of like really spindly carrots um one person showed a pretty sizable <laughs> I'm just say a pretty sizable radish that, but she put my first ever radish. It took two months and there was nothing wrong with it. It was lovely. So just one I like that positivity radish. that nice. she has. She was like, you know what? It does, looks weird, yeah. but it's great. I love it. Yeah. But carrots are that. definitely the thing that people have been struggling with, which I feel they can be tricky. Um, it was fun. I feel like that's quite topical actually at the moment. Um, yeah. Because Waitrose just released a thing saying that they're relaxing their rules on like specifications. I think it's for carrots parsnips and asparagus so that they can be more spindly oh, have and like have different veg sizes more. and yeah, stuff that's well, that's yeah literally wonky veg because um of coronavirus like you can't socially distance as much when for the workers and things so they're trying to get as much of the uk produce available as possible oh. so yeah. it's very on trend we need to be celebrating wonky veg way more yeah absolutely wonky veg is great it's characterful <laughs> and it tastes just as delicious mm, exactly. that's true Although some of these carrots like <laughs> are slightly too small to eat, probably. Yeah, they like wouldn't even be a chew, would they? Like they're very small. I mean, you know you have microgreens. Is there such thing as a micro carrot? That's true. I suppose you could add a micro carrot to your microgreens. <laughs> and to have a micro salad, I don't know. <laughs> micro meal. Uh... Um, well, I saw a story this week. I'm sorry to bring the tone down from light and breezy to something sort of sad, but I saw a um, a feature on the Country Living website 
basically about the tools that you have to be vigilant for well you don't have to be vigilant for the tools when you're using these tools you have to be vigilant for hedgehogs in your garden and it says that wildlife experts from Spike's Hedgehog Food are urging people to consider rewilding their gardens um, to encourage more wildlife and reduce the chance of garden-related accidents. Oh. Because apparently lots of little garden hedgehogs get injured by tools such as strimmers and mowers. And um, it says strimmer injuries are one of the biggest killers for hedgehogs. But oh, that's so sad. common. Mm. So then um, the hedgehogs have to go into little hedgehog hospitals and have their legs plastered and stuff. Mm. So basically rewild your garden and save the hedgehogs. I've never thought about the fact that strimmers could be quite dangerous like that. I always think about, I know a lot of people talk about when they have bonfires being really careful because often hedgehogs and other wildlife will have sort of made a home there. Mm. But just got to be more careful. Yeah, we need to protect our hedgehogs. Um, apparently, some of the other tools as well are lawn mowers and garden forks as well. So if you're going to sort of be fiddling about in big piles of leaves and stuff before you get right in there, just have a little look. Make sure there's nobody having a sleep in there. On the topic of hedgehogs, recently I saw this article... <laughs> Um, and it's a sightseeing pet hedgehog that I followed on Instagram now. Um, what? Yeah, he is called Winston. <laughs> Winston Church Quill. Oh my God. And there's just lots of photos of him. Oh my God. At landmarks in Plymouth where he lives. <laughs> With Amazing. his legs in the air. Yeah. Aww. Does he's he wear so outfits cute. or is it just him out and about? No, he's naked. Oh, okay. oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will follow him. That's so cool. Yeah, I'll Did, send was it he over. rescued? Do you know? Or, or I, was he I don't know rescued? that much, I'm afraid. Oh. But the photos are super cute. Yeah. Aww. Hedgehogs are great. I saw a hedgehog for the first time the other week. Actually. Whatever. I was on a walk and, um, yeah, I'd never seen a hedgehog before. I don't know if that's quite rare, but I've just never seen one. And then I saw one um, out on a bouse going on a walk and I didn't know what it was at first. It was just like a little lump <laughs> in the road. Well, not in the road, on the path. And then that would be a sad way to see a hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, unfortunately I've seen plenty of deceased ones, but not any living <laughs> ones. So it was good to see a, to see a happy, a happy living one. Um, because they are decreasing aren't they in their numbers which is very sad yeah. so I think there's um something called Hedgehog Street I don't know if any of you have seen it which is a, a campaign to get people to look after hedgehogs which we can always oh, link to as yeah. well because it's quite a good initiative. Also I feel like we would also love to see if any listeners have resident hedgehogs in the garden we yeah. would love to see your hedgehogs have you named your garden hedgehogs? We'd love to see. Well, I've got another story which isn't about hedgehogs, but is a little <laughs> bit uh, depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, we're doing it's well. Not, today. It's not that depressing. Yeah. Um, well, it could be depressing because there was something that was released recently about how uh, we need to do something to keep hold of our water because we might end up running out which is not uh, very good we don't want to run out of water mm. um, but anyway the RHS has actually teamed up with Water UK to get gardeners and people in general really to be a bit more water wise mm -hmm. because fortunately um, 
with all the hot weather recently. Although saying that, I don't know, have you had a lot of wet weather? It's been raining all week here. Oh, I mean, we don't yeah. even live far apart, so I'm guessing you've had wet weather as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you might be thinking, we don't need to be water wise. Like there's so much rain. There's still a lot of there. summer to go I though. Like I feel it. like the droughts are coming. Yeah. And also one week like it's really, really rainy and the next week it's blistering heat. You just cannot predict it in the UK. So I think it's always good to have tips sort of in your back pocket for when it's raining or when it's not raining um, and when it's really, really hot that you can use. So um, they released a few tips actually about how we can sort of do more to look after our water, to be a bit more mindful of how much we're using. Mm -hmm. So number one was sort of a bit obvious install water butt mm. which would be really handy right now when it's raining because then you can sort of collect all of the rain that's falling on the ground and then store it up for when it gets hot again mm-hmm. um we don't actually have a water butt but I keep saying to my because I live at home I keep saying we need to get one because they're really really good um and put in our garden the second tip was switch to watering in the morning because Sorry, I should probably have read through this tip a bit more. Yeah, because you don't want to do it during the middle of the day when it's hot. Yeah, domestic water use tends to peak in the evening. Oh, okay, so start early to sort of beat everyone else so that I guess not everyone's watering at the same time so that the pressure doesn't go down. Um, Don't water your lawn because uh, it might be tempting to use sprinklers and things like that to have that lovely lawn all through summer, but they use up so much water and they do come back really quickly um swap to a watering can and one of the ones that I thought was the most interesting actually was train your plants to drink more slowly by giving them less which um, I did not know that plants could like adapt in that way that they could almost think well I'm not gonna (laughs) have as much water so I'm gonna treat them mean to keep them keen yeah literally like so what you yeah, so the idea is that you, you encourage your plants to drink less by not soaking them all the time so that they drink it up a lot slowly, I guess. It kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that was quite an interesting one. So That was so clever. Uh, if you need more tips or whatever for, you know, having water and not wasting it, then definitely go on there and go to the Water UK website because they're really, really good on there as well. So mm. yeah, I just thought that was, that was quite good. That things that we should all be thinking about more. One yeah. other one that wasn't on there that I th- always think is quite useful is like not having too much bare ground, maybe planting oh, like some yeah. lettuces and like um, other sort of crops like salad leaves and stuff around other crops so that it doesn't all and go it just helps to like lock in the moisture mm. a little bit mm. I think, so. no, there's loads of stuff that you can do to help it um so just look online you just have to do a really quick search and there's loads of things that come up but like there's easy swaps that you can do like watering of the can and things like that that you think might not make a big difference but I guess you don't really realize how much water you're using when you just sort of unwind the hose and then blast it all over the garden like it does so much <laughs> yeah. Water. Yeah. so just making those easy switch easy switches can help yeah. cool thanks no, that sounds that great. sounded really yeah. sarcastic <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed my tips <laughs> um i'll be back in a moment with some jobs on the plot but laura i think first we've got to record an advert yes we do So as we said at the top of the show, this episode is sponsored by Beer 52. Beer 52 is a fantastic service that sends you beer every month right to your door. 
So you don't even need to leave Sounds the good. house. I know. Sounds great, doesn't it? I've got some here. Blake, I know you're still waiting for yours to arrive, but I can I'll be back crack this open. Week, yeah. yeah, and I can give you a little sneak peek of what you can expect. So whilst you're doing that, I'll just tell you a little bit about Beer 52. So it's the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members, and they send a brand new case to you every month. Um, and each month's case has a different theme, so you don't know what you're going to get, but it's quite exciting. So it takes out that element of having to actually make the choice. And I think sometimes that's the difficult thing when you're in the supermarket, isn't it? Do I try something new? Do I stick with the tried and tested? I feel like this is made for us, Laura, like we're the most (laughs) indecisive people ever. So this is Uh, really good because, yeah, yeah, you know, it just turns up. um, They've made the decision for you and you get to try something delicious. Although you do get some element of choice because... I mean, the one that I'm about to open here is a pale ale, mm. but that's not to say that you'd get the same in your box. You can get dark beers, pale ales, lagers. But the thing is, if you say, for example, don't like dark beer, you can request the, the lighter beers. Um, so once you get that open, we have an exciting offer. So if you want to get this as well, you'll get your first case of eight beers for free. You just cover the five ninety five postage. So to do that, you can go to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt. So that is the word beer. So B-E-E-R, then the numbers 52.com forward slash dirt. And you'll get your first case of eight beers for free. Have you got that open yet, Laura? I'm going to crack it open right now. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear your reaction. Mm. Oh, that is really lovely. That is really nice. This is a nice citrusy, hoppy pale ale. So that's lovely. And I tell you what, it would be absolutely ideal after a hard day on the plot, digging, hoeing. Yes. Sit back, observe your handiwork, cold beer in hand. I love going out and just standing out there and having a little look around at all my hard work with a nice cold beer at the end of the day whilst the sun is setting. Mm. You know, I've just finished my watering. I'm really excited for this because I always end up just going for the same thing when I get into the supermarket. So I feel like this could be a great opportunity to try some new stuff, but also yeah. I might find something new that I'd never picked out for myself and find mm. my new favourite beer. So I'm quite excited for that. Yeah, I have to say this beer is making me confident on that front. I think you could well find your new favourite. And also, we were speaking about hops earlier. This is also a great opportunity for any gardeners who maybe have tried home brewing this season (laughs) hasn't gone so well beer 52 have got you they've got you covered and also I would say we always encourage you to tell your friends and family to listen to the podcast now there's an extra incentive tell them about this you can share your beers with them it's a really good offer I think getting that first case of eight beers for free yeah absolutely tell everyone you know tell everyone you know Well, Blake, I am going to sit here and finish this delicious beer. And I think you have got some jobs on the pot for us. (laughs) I see how it is. You're just going to sit back and enjoy that whilst I go and do the work. I am, yeah. (laughs) Wherever you look in the garden right now, there is abundance. Whether that's tomatoes fattening up and beginning to ripen to a vibrant red, fruit trees that are laden with healthy plump offerings or flowers that are bursting into bloom. 
If you can keep things ticking over on the plot now, then the harvest will continue rolling in for a long time yet. Of course, the summer weather isn't just good for your crops, but the weeds too. So keep your garden hoe nearby and quickly remove any young weeds poking their heads through. If you can get into a habit of staying on top of this as part of your daily routine, then it won't turn into a bigger, more time-consuming task at a later date. Keep an eye on your winter brassicas like Brussels sprouts and kale shooting up as they can get a bit top-heavy the taller they get. But what you can do to avoid problems is to mound soil around the base of their stems to stabilise them so you don't come out on a windy day to find they've snapped. Another important thing to tick off your to-do list now is to pinch out the growing tips of climbing beans once they've reached the top of their support. This will encourage a heavier crop by allowing the plant to put its energy into the beans themselves, meaning more bumper harvests for you. Also, make sure to thin out carrot seedlings if you haven't done so yet to give the remaining roots the room to swell. But beware that the smell can attract the egg-laying carrot fly, which you won't want. Symptoms of this problem include rusty brown scars that ring the tap roots of the vegetables, making them inedible and susceptible to secondary rots. Additionally, when you cut through the roots, you can often see tunnels inhabited by maggots. So if you do find this to be a problem, there are various ways to combat it in the future. You should practice crop rotation, use netting and sow seeds more sparsely to avoid the need to thin them out later. And finally, undercover growers, during warm periods, it should now be okay to keep the vents of your greenhouse open and to leave polytunnel doors open overnight to increase ventilation. Damp down floors of your greenhouse to keep humidity at the correct level and invest in some form of greenhouse shading to protect crops on very hot days. Wishing you all a productive week on the plot and until next time, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt and don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for The Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's g P-O-D and the number 7 or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list And a big bonus, each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.